I have many times been asked at gathering, now, what do you do? And whenever I say, oh, I'm a chemist, invariably people wince, and out comes a story of a miserable experience in a high school course, college course, or whatever. And I've had enough conversations already uh, here to know that even some of you extraordinary students share that view. So I'm especially glad to have a chance to speak to you uh, about our adventures in chemistry. Uh, in fact, the very first talk this morning by Mr. Uh, Ashbery uh, reminded me of my favorite definition of, poet, uh, of chemistry. Uh, it is by the poet Marianne Moore, who was speaking of poetry, but I think you will agree she could equally well have said this of chemistry. She said, poetry is about imaginary gardens with real toads in them. And uh, that's really very close to uh, our view of chemistry. I'll try to explain why a little bit later. But uh, first, I'm told we should give a little bit of a narrative account, since uh, many students are interested in the question how did you get into this field and, and all? Uh, I started out, and my scientific career really started out when I was nine years old and visiting my grandmother's house and saw a National Geographic magazine with marvelous star maps, absolutely gorgeous star maps. And I was terribly intrigued. Now, my grandmother was a quite stern lady, so I was astounded when she allowed me to go home with that National Geographic magazine. That probably reinforced uh, this initial fascination with science. Uh, I think the next important thing, when I look back on it, uh, came uh, about a year later in the fourth grade with Mrs. Davidson, who first showed me what intellectual excitement uh, really meant. She was in love with a California Indian. It may seem a long way from star maps to California Indian, but they're actually linked directly in my mind and experience, because she was so enthusiastic about the California Indian that she got all the class excited about that, and she gave each of us a project to do something on our own, our own choice, a wide range. And I built uh, a little uh, cart that was supposed to represent what I had found out about modes of transportation for the California Indian. Now, I can connect that to chemistry too, but I'm going to shorten this version a little to go on to say that um, uh, a few years later was another teacher who had a major impact on the fact that I went not simply into some area of science, but chemistry. That was a junior year in high school. Mr. Maishka was a marvelous teacher. I must say that I found chemistry the most mysterious subject I would encountered yet. I had not had any uh, toys of the right kind, chemistry sets, anything of the sort, and it took quite a while for me to figure out what was going on in chemistry, perhaps partly because I was so active in sports. Uh, football was uh, very exciting to me then, 
And uh, maybe my later work on molecular collisions was presaged by uh, fascination for that phenomena. In any case, uh, when it came time to graduate from high school, uh, I found that everyone expected me to go to college to play football. Um, I had not really thought of college until then because no one in my immediate family had gone to college. So it was really my teachers and coaches who had a major impact on my life by steering me that direction. In fact, I was delighted to see Professor Seaborg here, a uh, uh, very distinguished chemist. Uh, I met him on a visit to Berkeley when I was being proselytized as a high school senior to play football for Berkeley. But I soon found in my freshman year of college that the laboratory and the lab were even more exciting. And in particular, I fell in love with a question uh, that was a research field of my freshman advisor, uh, Professor Harold Johnston, how chemical reactions take place in a microscopic way, how you change from one molecular architecture to another. Now, actually, there's a very long tradition of these studies in what are called chemical kinetics, the rates and pathways. Uh, Cleopatra was an earlier student of chemical kinetics. You all remember the story how she impressed Caesar by dissolving a pearl in uh, vinegar and then drinking it. Uh, she wanted him to realize that Egypt had a very advanced civilization far beyond Rome, and he, that it would therefore be wise to ally with her. Uh, well, she clearly knew quite a lot about kinetics of dissolving pearls in wine, and so did the ancients. But until this modern era of the last 25 years, uh, we had no means to follow at the molecular level how chemical transformations occurred. In fact, uh, it was much like archaeology that we heard about earlier. We had to reconstruct our picture of what the, happened at the elementary level in making and breaking chemical bonds uh, by inferring what happened eons later after many, many generations of molecular collisions had occurred in between and wiped or averaged out practically all the molecular detail. Uh, nonetheless, it's remarkable what chemists were able to infer, just as archaeologists can construct so much from a few shards of pottery. And yet, I'm sure the archaeologists yearned to have a time machine to go back now and then and check up what things were really like, at least in some special domain of civilization. And the techniques that Yuan Li and I and many others contributed to developing over these years, in effect, provide that. We can see what happens in single collisions. It's as if we cleared out this whole room like that, of all you molecules, uh, I'm sorry, you people, and then allowed you come in one at a time, say 10 or 20 feet apart, this way and another line that way, and studied what happens. You're blindfolded. You can't avoid a collision. You just keep going straight. Those of you that bounced into one another, we'd measure your velocities and your angles and deduce uh, the elementary forces in the way that physicists have long been able to do with the more energetic particles that release uh, these very high energies in uh, nuclear physics. Uh, we developed these methods, however, in the domain of chemistry where we had no such high energies and where we had initially to work with uh, yields under these conditions so small that it would take a month to collect even one, even one layer of molecules. Um, 
Now, as time went on, many, many people entered this field uh, and shared the joy of discovery and the, the uh, excitement of unraveling chemical mechanisms and generalizing ideas that could be applied over a much wider range. And I'd just like to uh, close by saying a few words about the nature of research and an activity which for me is intimately connected to it, teaching uh, for those of you who may be thinking of a career in this direction. First of all, in science we have a marvelous property that accounts for its incredible progress. The truth waits patiently for you. You can make all kinds of mistakes, but if you're ardent and passionate in pursuit of it, uh, you will learn remarkable things, not just you in the singular, but in the aggregate. You're not alone. You have the benefit of finding out what other people are discovering left and right all around you. And sometimes you may go off in a clearly wrong direction, but it's actually a big plus because you can see better where progress can be made if you've gone off the side and get a new view. So it has this very special property that uh, accounts for much of the reason why ordinary human talent integrated over time and shared, amplified by shared efforts, uh, really contribute uh, remarkable progress. And we are poised now for, uh, in many fields, for tremendous progress that your generation will be able to take part in. I'd like finally to say that in addition to a host of people who have helped me and others uh, move along in this way, uh, I would like to give credit to the atoms and molecules. They, too, are awaiting your generation. They are the ones who should receive the golden plate and all. But uh, in lieu of that, we spokesmen who have the privilege to study them have this opportunity. Thank you.